Rachel. And I'm Nicole. Welcome to the Movement Toward Change podcast. We are using dance as a means to cultivate community and start conversation. Today, we are honored to speak with Gianni DeMarco. Gianni is a professor of dance at the Boston Conservatory teaching ballet technique. He founded the Adaptive Dance with Michalina Casella, a program for children with Down syndrome and autism at Boston Ballet Center for Dance Education. He then started the step-by-step program for children with autism at the Berklee College of Music Institute for Arts Education and Special Needs. Gianni has danced professionally with many ballet companies, including the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, Boston Ballet, and Festival Ballet Providence. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Um, Could you tell us a bit about your journey to this point and if there is a specific event that has shaped your career? My journey to this point has been uh, amazing, you know, which, <laughs> you know, I, my, I, I guess I, I am in heavens almost every day, almost every day, because my journey is being in the arts. So I've been able to, to express my, my feelings on stage and and then now I'm expressing my feelings through my teaching in a way. I, I kind of feel like a messenger from all the people I work with and all the experiences I have. And I try to pass them on to the people that I meet and coming down path as students or as human beings. I. Um, I guess uh, uh, now I'm at a point where, where I find that time is, is precious and I feel like I wanna utilize my knowledge and try to spread my gift to as many people as I can. Just cause I feel like, you know, time is, is, is an essence of, of being utilized for that at this point in my life. I, uh, <clears throat> As a performer, I always felt like I was always in heaven being on stage and, and, and you know, showcasing whatever I had to do. It didn't matter what part I had to do as a performer. I always felt like it didn't matter to me if I had to do like somebody holding a spear in the back of the stage, it would be just as fun as being in the front performing as a soloist or something like that. So I, I always cherished my time on stage and. I don't know if that's carried on to my second uh, stage in my life as a, as a teacher and educator, still performing, of course, every once in a while when I get a chance. But, you know, that's mostly what I, I'm, I'm focusing my energy in, is uh, trying to find ways and forms to pursue my teaching and be sometimes as clear as I can for people to understand how I I wanna, I wanna teach my my art form, which is mine, really. I'm, I, you know, I, I sometimes think of, of all the trainings I had in, in many styles in ballet, but then I somehow have become more comfortable trying to find a way that I can find my own groove with all that knowledge and, and be able to pursue a way of teaching that is my my way. And I don't know if I'm stepping on anybody's feet by doing that, you know, 
especially when you teach ballet, it becomes a very, you know, traditional way of doing things that you have to do it in a certain manner because there is, you know, the traditional historical way of doing things. I guess I'm breaking loose out of that, but I'm still very, very much traditional to a certain extent. But, you know, in a way, we all have a way of doing things, and I'm sure you, you probably can identify with that. And, you know, I mean, the journey I had, I know that, that this, this uh, uh, interview has to do mostly with the adaptive class and the step-by-step -step class that I now teach at the conservatory at Berkeley. And, you know, this, this journey got me into this, uh, teaching these this students through Mickey Casella, I, I was, you know, dancing at the Boston Ballet and, and I guess she asked me if I was interested in, on, on teaching children with <clears throat> Down syndrome. And of course, I, you know, I have worked with, with young children. I always like working with young kids, you know, because they're the future of what we do. So, I, I mean, I thought, well, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll give it a shot. I said to her, you know, I, I'm very, tentative about this, but she was very reassuring that she was going to help me through the process, which really, truly, I, I was very lucky to have her in my back, watching after me, trying to teach a population of, of students that I never really had an experience with. And so she got me through my bumpy road, but it was, it was, for me, it was a real way to take dance to another place where, you know, I mean, I think that there's been many people who have taught kids with, with challenges before. I mean, I feel I was the first one. I think what I was part of that was to me very special is that I was working at the time with the Boston Ballet and the Boston Ballet is a, you know, classical and, and an amazing company and an amazing school of, of, of uh, training for young dancers uh, pursuing careers in classical ballet. So for, for me to be able to teach these students in this umbrella of a organization was an amazing thing. And I think out of us starting the program and getting the, we got a lot of uh, uh, interest from the local newscasts and from different magazines and so the program got a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, cloud I guess and so because of that a lot of organizations right after we were showcased in many shows started to do the same thing which is is really was Mickey Casella's goal to have other organizations begin and start programs for this, this students with, with challenges. So what was your motivation for creating an adaptive dance program? Well, <laughs> you know, I don't have, I, I don't think I really had a motivate. I was brought into this situation and, you know, and I guess, you know, I, I really learned by trying and I was willing to try, of course, you know, cause I always find anything that comes my way is because it's meant to be for me to do. I mean, I never questioned that, you know, like there's many things that happen in my life that somebody calls me and offers me something, very rarely would I say, oh no, I cannot do it. Even if I don't know anything about it, I'll, 
you know, if they call me to ask me to do something, I'll, I'll always affront and without, almost without fear. I'm, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, of course, nervous, but I always try to go in without fear because the worst thing that could happen is, I don't know, you know, I don't know. So, I, you know, dying is the worst thing for me that could happen. And so I don't think that by me doing something in the arts, it's going to kill me. So I always feel I can do it. I can do it, sure. So when, when I got in, 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 in this situation and I started seeing the challenges of what it was like to teach this, the students, especially because, you know, we started with a group that was, in a way, you know, uh, Mickey Casella had picked a group of children that she already knew that would have an interest in movement, which made it also more uh, uh, organic for, for them to be in a studio trying to do things with music and dance. And so that made it a little bit more appealing for them to be in the studio, which sometimes could be a challenge. I have learned now from the years I've been doing this that you can get some characters that are, might not be interested in dance and then they're brought in because the parents feel like there's an outlet for them to have a venue of, of the arts, but sometimes it doesn't work. You know, I have kids myself that never wanted to be dancers. And I think it's something that you either want to do or you might not like. So, you know, children are children and it doesn't matter where your abilities or, or your challenges are, they are still children. So, but in, in, in any case, I, I always, when I started teaching them, I always felt like there were challenges that I, I never experienced. And I think that having Mickey there as a physiotherapist, who knew their challenges physically, especially, which I wasn't familiar with, whenever I did things that were maybe not healthy for them to keep repeating, she would be very cautious and very, uh, descriptive about me not doing certain things that would be harmful for them because their physicality, they're very limber and they have issues in, in their joints sometimes that they need to be addressed. And she was very carefully trying to lead me through the process when I was teaching. So I felt safe in that way because I, I, I didn't know how these students were gonna take the information I was trying to give them. So, and having her leading me through this process, which is, makes the environment be safe, is the most important part. I mean, you can do many things in a class, especially in dance, that you can harm somebody by not being clear or not saying the right thing or not doing the right thing or asking people to do things that are maybe not safe. And that could happen with even any normal class. So having her there was, was a, a secure thing for me not to hurt anyone. Not that I hurt people by no means, you know, but it, it, it made it safer for their, their well-being. And, you know, the, <clears throat> the level of, of the class was, it was very different. They were very young students. I, the youngest student was six years old, up to 12. I think it was the oldest person in the class. So, you know, there's different challenges when it comes to that. And, and so, I mean, we started with a class of 12 students and, you know, it was an hour class and we had like this timeout periods when we saw that the children were not staying focused and they were starting to lose uh, attention on what I was doing, that they would step aside and 
So we you know we started creating this this mold of, of a pattern of how to run the class and we started coming with different concepts of how to make him move, you know, I mean, you know, one of the things about these children is that they're very hypermobile. So due to that, sometimes the coordination in, 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 in their, um, their motor scales become a little bit um, more challenging. So trying to, to integrate some of this movement that has, of course, the music, which helps create a sense of timing, and that can help the sense of coordination. And through using the muscles in a certain way, it helps them come more in, uh, in, in understanding of their physicality and their challenges. I started to use chairs in, in, in the class because, you know, having especially young students, you know, it's very easy to, to create group uh, environment pieces where, or, or, or moments where you sit them in a circle on the floor and, and you can do different things on the floor. But with this particular group of uh, students, because they're so hypermobile, so once we put them on the floor, they would like splash all over the floor and it, it, they would not be well, well organized. So being on a chair was more uh, precisely what they needed because the pelvis stabilization on a chair, if you have control of your limbs, especially your legs, <clears throat> in a linear manner, you can keep yourself more uh, in an upright position. So the chairs became a, 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 a way to start the class, just like, you know, I, I mean, you, 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 you figure that, you know, like a ballet dancer use the bar to warm up their bodies, you know, a way to lead themselves through the process of the start of the class. So we, we started to adapt in the chairs and then we felt that we would do things in circles with the chairs, but then, you know, the right and the left side of the body would get confusing, especially when you had a lot of them in a circle. So what we decided to do was to find a way that they can identify the right from the left. So we decided to pick the color red for the right and the blue for the left. And we tried ribbons on their arms, on their, on their wrists, but you know, what happened is some of them became very, you know, kind of fidgeting with a, with a, with a prop that they had on the wrist. So it actually became a, a problem. So the next step was to put tape on their feet. So we put a red, piece of tape on the right foot and a, and a blue piece of tape on the left. So that was easy for them to identify the right from the left, which sometimes it was very challenging. I mean, it's challenging for me, so I can't imagine for them. So they, they kind of took this really well and it made it easy for us to be able to give directions to how we want them to carry themselves on, on, on the space that we were working. And we saw that that really started to bring more cohesive understanding to the class. And then, you know, we, we were, were provided with a pianist for the class to, to teach them. And, you know, I think the pianist that we had was very good and very versatile, but we felt that, you know, like that movie Amadeus, you know, too many notes. I think that, that with simplicity with the beat was easier for them to, to to stay in kind of in a more harmonious way so that we, we decided to change for a drama, which made it, it was simpler beat, you know, for them to go one, two, three, four, one, you know, so without the melody, you know, now that I teach and that, you know, I, I now teach the same group that I was teaching like almost 19 years ago, 
So you have to understand that it's been a huge evolution. <laughs> so now, now we're integrating more, you know, more uh, sophisticated sounds into class and they really uh, have adapted to it. And it's, it's been a great progress. You know, as a matter of fact, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun, but you know, I'm, I've been talking to people. I'm, I'm very uh, pro right now starting a, a small group of, of dancers with Down syndrome in a kind of like a, a company or a, a group that's going to be performing. So instead of doing a class for dance, we're thinking about, or I'm thinking about doing like a little group that will learn repertory so they can perform more, so they can have some kind of uh, venue for them to learn stuff and instead of just working on movement that's not going to be showcased but to create movement that when we have opportunities we can showcase and they're ready for that you know it's like an evolution of any any student that it goes to any institution you know there's a progression and they're at a place where they can actually now start creating uh repertory for them to perform and i'm i'm really gung-ho about doing this because you know for me too it's, it's an evolution to to wanting to do this and since i choreograph and i like to do things it's it's really i think it's presented itself to be in the right place but aside from the future going back to the past you know we had the class after we started with i think it was like said 10 or 12 students now the the program when I was at the Boston Ballet at the time, it started to grow and other teachers who started to work with other people in the organization that were interested in teaching this population. So we scouted more dancers that wanted to do this. So the program started to grow. The Boston Ballet became very fun of having these kids be part of the school. And so we, we, we created a huge uh, cloud of, of, of dancers that were interested in doing this and a huge population of students that wanted to be part of this. And then, you know, after a while, I think it was after, I don't know, 12 years, I decided that I wanted to take uh, kids with, I wanted to do a class for, for children with, with autism. So Mickey, of course, you know, because, you know, the good thing about working with Ms. Casella uh, was that because she was involved with a children's hospital, she had a good resource of, of populations of students with Down syndrome and autism. So it was a very easy way to say, okay, I want to try to teach these children with, with autism. And so she went ahead and found somebody who was in charge at Children's Hospital with this, this uh, department. And so we scouted, like, I think it was like seven, eight children. And, you know, I mean, this is a uh, a much more challenging uh, group because you know it varies in so many ways and and so it became a more <clears throat> involved kind of project for me you know kind of like not that I was confident I was going to succeed but I was confident that I, I could you know tackle something new and also giving an opportunity you know I, I, I'm in this mission of trying to you know infuse people with dance I think dance is so amazing no and so the more you can get people to do it, the, the better, you know, it's like, it's not like I feel like a pusher, pushing stuff out to people, you know, it's that I'm just teaching art. But so we started the autistic class and it, it went really well. Of course, you know, we needed more support, have more assistance in the class because 
the varies in, in, in the way the children behave and the needs they have. But, you know, overall, especially for this group of kids, is that, you know, being in a group environment is very challenging for them. Some of the autistic kids really don't fancy being around a lot of people. They don't like the idea of being around loud music. They don't, you know, there's many things that they, they, they're very fidgety about. So, you know, this kind of has helped them overcome some of these challenges. Because, you know, as, as a human being, you have to be put to the test at all times in any kind of environment to be able to survive in our jungle of society. So this is always helpful. And I think, you know, that's what I feel mostly in, in general with all the classes I've taught with all these children that have challenges that it's, it's really made a difference on their day to day lives. You know, I mean, I, I teach these classes once a week, which I think is not enough. I mean, once a week of class is, is challenging just to do that for them. But the fact that they have been able to come and some of them being able to commit to be part of the program, it's made a huge, I mean, and I get feedback from their parents mostly, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't see them every day. So they, they, they have told me and they confirmed that since they have taken dance in their lives, it's, they have become more confident, they, they're more expressive, they really have come out of the shells of having fears and insecurities. But of course, you know, I mean, that's something that uh, I can speak a million times over the fact that I think the arts and dance can do that for any individual. If you take a, a like to, to the art form of dancing, you can become a better human being. So, I mean, it, it's not a surprise to me, but uh, it, 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 was, it was a real gift to hear this from their parents, especially. And, you know, and, and it was also, I mean, what a gift that I would, I would be one of the first ones to be able to bring this alive into an organization like the Boston Ballet, you know, and, and having it happening for these children to come into this building, you know, where all you see all the kids that, you know, apparently are like the gifted children that can only be valid and it's not that they have all these families that used to come in there and, and, and cherish this space and be part of it, you know? So it was a real, you know, for me, it was like, it was all, you know, all fun. And it still it is, you know? And now that I started this program at the Conservatory at Berkeley's, it's also been great for me to, to having taken the opportunity to all open this program to a place where I feel there's others. Uh, well, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is because I teach there, the, the students I teach there are very interested on learning how to teach this population. So we've been able to adapt some of the, the, the students that are going to the dance program at, at, at the conservatory at Berkeley to participate as helpers in the class, which it open, opens also a venue for them in the future, because now there's a real need for these classes out there in the, in the world that they can have opportunities for them to be able to teach this population of, uh, of students, which before, you know, I mean, I think it's something that, you know, the more, the better. And so I think that they, 
the concept of the conservatory taking this aboard has been great for the students there too. Unfortunately now, because we can't do it in the studio and we're captured by this media, that Zoom media, I haven't been able to bring students here to support the class when I teach it over Zoom. But you know, hopefully this is gonna be over soon. So we'll be back in the studios and the students will be able to come back and help the, the, the students that we get with these challenges. Yeah. I like that comment that you made about how dance can make us a better human. I feel like so many skills that are taught in the dance class can translate into our lives. Yeah, I, 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 you know, you know, I mean, I know that some people sometimes think that ballet is ruthless because it's so competitive, and you know, and, and you know, it's being taught sometimes in a way that is not very humane. <laughs> I mean, I was, I, I was uh, uh, not a victim by no means of this, I, but I was exposed to some of this teaching. That's, you know, it's it's a little bit uh, harsh sometimes if you if you don't have the right set of mind, you know, like it'd be sometimes uh, detrimental for people. I mean, I'm, I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm trying to change that uh, aspect of it, you know, in my way of teaching, I don't know, maybe no, maybe I'm also- No, you to... definitely are. Yeah, but then I think that, you know, and I hear this from people sometimes that it's, and so there is a way that, that we can all you know, learn from dance and really be, have a really positive and a real, you know, enlightenment by being in an art form that, that, you know, I always feel like if you, if you spend time nourishing your, your being, which is your body, and then you can capture that and, and transform it into energy that provides people with wellness. I think that, you know, there's nothing better for the humanity you know it's like i think it's important so you know me teaching now this these students is it's a, just a gratitude for what i have um what has been the most rewarding aspect of working with the adaptive students and what have you learned from them uh, the most rewarding is 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 seeing how they have progressed in their ability of being able to physically be more engaged, musically more involved, and, and seeing how they, they have evolved into being more, I think it's, it's, it's more of a wanting to, you know, it's funny, it's a, a, this, especially the, the, the Down syndrome students, they, they're very loving and very, but you know, it, it, it being in this environment, it's also created this, this energy that they're very wanting to also help and wanting to help their friends and peers and anybody who comes new into the class, they're very willing to try to assist, to, to help and, 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 and try to make the, the new students catch up to where the class level is at the time when the students come in. So, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's been very satisfying to see how they have learned. And also now they wanna, they wanna learn how to give this information they have to others. So that's, an, a, a, to me, it's a very amazing thing to see evolve 
when they were when they first started, they were so shy and so naive and, and scared, you know, making the first step. Now they're very sure and certain and wanting to help and assist. So, you know, it, it's it, that's very gratifying for me to see. And and learn, I learn from them all the time. I, I learned the, the, the honesty that they have, you know, it's there's very little uh, put away in, in, in the preconceived ideas of how they perceive things, you know. And I'm talking in general too with the autistic the students because, the, you know, they're so innocent at all times. I mean, you know, I'm teaching the students from my uh, Down syndrome group that I've been teaching for almost 18 years. So that's there or 19. And I, I feel like they're still children, you know, it's, it's a, they have a gift that we don't have. You know, we, 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 we grow and we create this, this, this facade that we're grown ups, you know, and we, we have to be in a certain way and we have to be grown ups. Of course, we have responsibilities. We have to do things that, you know, we're meant to do as grown ups. But in the process, we become like, like sometimes like, too preconceived, you know, we're, we're constantly second thinking every time we speak, we, we don't, we're not as spontaneous, we, we're very, you know, um, depending on who you are and where you work and, you know, everything becomes very uh, thought out and, and, and how you say things, which is, I mean, it's important <laughs> that we speak with, with a way that, that we need to do, depending on how old we are but there is some beautiful aspect about being around the students that are so natural and, and, you know, and they grow up. Yeah, they do grow up like we all do, but there's still something about them being so naive and, 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 and open. And that's something I'm constantly trying to like, part of my life make it because I, I feel like it's important that we still be spontaneous and we still be you know human beings because you know sometimes we put these barriers between us and the rest of the world because we are somebody or we think that we are grown-ups and our ID says that we were born in a certain time and so we need to be a certain way and it's not to be reckless by no means but it, it's it's something that is being around these this students really constantly remind me of me not forgetting that we're still children within ourselves. And we there's aspects that sometimes we put away in the shells and we don't even want to get close to that, which are the beauty about humanity, you know, that we, we're open and, and we still try to stay fresh. So, I mean, that's one of the things that I, I'm very grateful to be part of, you know? Maybe that's why I say once a week classes maybe need to change so I can be exposed to this more regularly through my week. And then I have a better perspective about life. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's such a great perspective to take and kind of incorporate into our own lives just that, you know, you don't have to be a certain way or act a certain way to still kind of take that. Um, yeah, but you know it's hard because we're in society. You know, you, you need to wear a you need to wear a costume. Now, how has teaching adaptive dance students influenced your teaching style when working with people that aren't in the adaptive population? 
Well, you know, I, I, it's one of those things that I, I feel like, okay, if we have two legs, two arms, and, you know, and we have capability in a way that we can, we don't have any challenges that have brought, been brought to us by the way we are, and we want to do something. I feel it's really taught me to, to feel like the sky is the limit, you know, and, and for anybody who wants to do anything, you know, it's just that, you know, we have, we always have these insecurities about there's a certain mall to how things have to be in certain parts, in certain aspects of the art form. And that sometimes brings us into this judgmental place where, well, I'm not cut up to do this because of this and that and this and that. <clears throat> the thing is the profession has a, such a broader uh, perspective that if you stop looking at just that and what I don't have here and there, and you branch out the idea that you have what it takes to do it, then you should just pursue it and see what comes out of it committing to do it instead of trying to block the idea of doing it because you think that you don't have what it takes in a certain way. You might not have what it takes, but pursuing it in a, in a hundred percent attitude will give you answers to whatever comes next. And I think some of these children that have these challenges don't have that choice. You know, they're, they're set in a way because you know, they have issues that are really not transformable, that you can't really transform. Their, 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 their gift is, is to, to do the best with what they have. And, you know, they're, they're trying. And we're here to serve that. And, and they're going to be able to, to eventually do something. But it's always going to be in, in that perspective of a challenge. So when the people that I teach have everything. I really, yeah, there is challenges. We all have challenges, but then there, there should be more of a, uh, you know, a go get it, you know? And, and I think I try to, to uh, uh, make people understand that. I, I don't mean to be a dreamer that doesn't invoke reality, but I think that, you know, if you have what it takes to do something, you should just do it and and let, let life show you what it has for you, you know, because that's something that we, we don't know the outcome of where we're going to end up tomorrow, you know? But if you're going to be worrying about where you are and not pursue what you love to do, then because you think that this is not like that, when you don't really have a challenge, yeah, you have a challenge. The challenge is to work and to make it happen and then see what comes out of it. it sounds all good, doesn't it? It's hard, but it's possible. So that's what they teach me. Wow. I really admire that mindset that you have about just going for it, whether you're doubting yourself or not, and not mm. letting the doubt stop you from pursuing what you know that you can. Or even if you don't know that you can, you, you do it anyway. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's a scary idea, you know, but it's, it, you know, it, I think that, you either you you don't make it but then you you get up and you try something else you know the, but it's i always feel like the regret of not trying is sometimes more destructive to me than 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 to try and fail 
And sometimes those, those thoughts like get to us and they make us change our actions when initially we're like, yeah, we can definitely do this. And then we start to second guess, oh, am I going to make it? Am I not? And that's when it gets challenging. Yeah, but that's, that's uh, the inquisition of life. You know, you always have to try to go beyond what you think you might be able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you're going to go beyond what you think you're being able to accomplish. Just by doing it. Not by accomplishing it. Just by trying. Um, on a similar note, so... Um, as a dance teacher, educator, and choreographer, where do you gather inspiration? From my surroundings. I'm constantly looking around and I look at people and I look at how the world is evolving. You know, I go now I go to the supermarket or I go anywhere and I see the people with the masks and I and I see their eyes and they're curious to some people look at you and they wonder like what you really look like. You know, like, because you're, you're hidden, you know, you're like only this. And so now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm constantly now, you know, when I, I guess I, I do get my inspiration from, from looking and and being, being perceptive to what's around me Mm. and, and trying to, to, you know, and it's funny too, sometimes, you know, even if it's not that I'm looking to, to be able to be stimulated in a way that's going to help me find, oh, I'm going to make something because I saw, it's just that, you know, just by being curious and really looking that sometimes those things stay in the, in the, in the subconscious of your mind. And then when you're searching for ideas to do things, they come actually, they come out and, and they, they present themselves. But you have to be curious to look and, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm a little bit too, too, curious and in, in, in my Adriana is pointed out to me, Chino, stop staring or stop, you know, because I'm very curious. Sometimes I look at people and I'm like I'm very inquisitive, you know, and sometimes it could be a kind of imposing, you know, like people give you the what you're looking at, you mother, you know. But I sometimes I've been faced with that a few times. And it's not that I mean it in a in a you know um what do you say, like trying to, to, to judge people. It's just that I'm looking and I guess sometimes I forget that what I look like looking and it could be maybe a little unpleasant. So I guess, but I'm, I'm, I, my wife sometimes reminds me, even my kids sometimes reminds me, dad, stop staring. But you know, it's not that I mean it, it's just that I get very curious. So I guess that stimulates my my, you know, that keeps me fresh in a way that, you know, everybody has a concept of way, the moment in time, how people behave in certain times in life. You see it in the streets. And, and so it's, it's capturing. It's mm. very capturing. I get, and- I, guess this, I get this from my mother. My mother was, I, now I see when my, my loved ones point this out out of me. I used to watch my mother was very much like that. And she was very, she was the kind of people that, or person that, you know, we anywhere we went, it was like we were going a bus and then first person that sat next to her, she would start yapping with them. And sometimes we go, mama, why are you talking to that person? And she would start talking and, and like, tell me, so what's going on and how you doing? And, you know, like everywhere we used to go, it was like, I used to go like almost embarrassing. You know, the way she used to like 
be so open, you know, in a way, like you have no boundaries. So now, I, you know, there's these things that stay in you and that, you know, you brought up or they're in my, in my genes, maybe. <laughs> now are, are part of the way I, the inquisition of, of love. So, I mean, that's my inspiration, really. Mm. Mm. And what would you say motivates you to continue to return to the studio each day, especially maybe on a day or during a time when that motivation isn't there or you're feeling um, a lack of desire to teach or create? <laughs> or maybe that never happens. No, no, it does happen constantly. You know, it's like, I, I think it's, the, you know, it's funny because I, I know now that there's times where I feel the worst and I don't want to do something, you know, that I feel, how am I going to get the energy to do this? And then I go do it and then I discover things about that particular day because of the way I was feeling that were so like enlightening to me that I felt like I, I broke through new boundaries. Like I, I felt things that I never would have felt before when I was really gung ho about doing it. You know, oh, today I feel great. Let's go do it. And then I go do it and it turns out to be a really shitty day. Things don't really gel in and I feel like, but maybe one of those days that I feel like, oh my God, today I'm not into it. And I, there's something in my mind that says, just go do it, go do it. And, you know, and maybe I'm not saying that happens every time, but what you discover in those challenging days sometimes can be more more gratifying than the days that you feel really gone home. So that, I guess, keeps me going because I, I feel like, yeah, it's just the way you're feeling right now. But, you know, as the day evolves and if you give it that push and you need to have a little push, then things, they, they happen. They just happen. You know, like I said to you, the worst thing that can happen is like, you know, you croak and that's it. You, you can't, do anything because you're dead but so if i'm alive then i must continue you know it's it's if i open my eyes and see the light i'm very happy for that yeah it's from the from the the the, the i'm wanting that you get more wanting mm. and are there ever days where you you go through your day and you you feel unsatisfied or disappointed. How do you how do you oh, kind of deal with that? It's it's yes. You know what? I I have those often that I didn't really feel good about what I wanted to do. But you know, guess what? I I I let it go. I live it. It makes me feel like uncomfortable that I maybe I throw a class and I go, what the heck was that? It's a disaster. And then I, 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 I still, you know, it kind of like carries on with me for a little while, but then it passes. It's like, you know, when you're angry at somebody because they did something to you and it's like makes you really, and you like at that moment in time, you feel like you can do something that's not logistically correct. But then once time goes by, you kind of like forget or forgive. And you actually go, you know, I can actually let it go. And I think the same thing happens when you have a rough event in your, in your life that, that has to do with teaching or, you know, doing a project or something like that. 
choreographing, you know, I'll go and choreograph some days. Like I can come out of it with like this outlook of what the heck am I doing this for, you know? And, and then it passes and the next day there is an enlightenment that comes out of feeling that way. So it's really, it teaches you that, you know, life is about staying in the, in the flow, regardless of how the wave comes and hits you, you know, it's, some, you know, you just have to be, you have to be true to, to know that if you want to do something, even if the day is not sunny all the time, you're still going to be able to go out there, even on a lightning and rainy day, you know? Mm -hmm. I like that kind of being in the moment. And even if you are, it kind of, you're at the bottom of the wave, like you said, just knowing yeah. that the moment it will pass. Um, and it you can will pass. And then you'll go and you reflect back on those days and go, why was I feeling that way? But there's always going to be another challenging coming in front of you. You don't know when, but it always does. Mm. And you I know. think allowing space to have those feelings and to be compassionate towards yourself is so important because if we're hard on ourselves after the day was hard, that almost like doubles the feeling of not feeling so good. Mm -hmm. To take a big breath in and let it go, no? Um, so on a broader scale, what are some of the ways in which we can make dance and ballet in particular more accessible and inclusive to a larger population? By having more uh, organizations that are, are creating this, this opportunity for ballet to be part of their programs, you know, you need to have more organizations. I mean, we have a lot of them but you need to have more because more will give more opportunities to more people. You know, I, I think that there is elite companies that are very prestigious and they're very selective. And, but there is smaller companies that are more accessible because, you know, they, 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 they're not so selective. They, you know, there's something interesting about being in the, in the, in the top, you know, that you, you, you feel like you need to have this look on how things are supposed to be. So, you know, then what happens with these organizations, having these, these standards, it makes people, you know, that are perhaps want to do ballet go, well, I cannot hit this peak. But at the same time, it, it doesn't, you know, you can still dance and you don't have to look like a rack of bones and and, 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 you know, fit this picture, whatever picture this organization has as to be in the company as being the person that should be doing this. You know, I think there's, you have to be, have integrity to how things are done. Now the outlook of how it's supposed to look is, it, is, a, is up to the, to the place or the organization of how they want this to be. And I think that, I think to me, that my take on this is that there has to be more places that are more willing to, to have people who have passion for the art and then they can pursue the profession with the way they are as beings without, you know, and, and there, if there's more places, then there's more choice for those people to be able to attend these organizations and be able to pursue a profession or, or have an opportunity to, to express himself in the art form of ballet. You know, ballet is, 
If you look at ballet when it first started, if you look at all books and you see what people look like, and, 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 and you see what people look like now, I mean, there's been an evolution of the art form, but is it really, they were doing the same thing the traditional classical ballets were performed then as they perform now. The thing is, we have adapted ourselves to a certain way of the way it's supposed to look, that now things, you know, are more selective and then that makes the people who want to participate in these events not have an opportunity. So I think that if you, if you create more opportunities, there will be more chances for people to be able to be part. As long as, as you do the work to be able to accomplish a task or what it takes to do the particular challenge of whatever it is that you have to do in ballet. You know, I'm not saying you have to sell the, the profession short of their standards. Basically, the look is what I feel is transformed now. And the look is made the opportunity become less appealing for people. But as far as what the, the technical aspect of it, you don't have to do 10 pirouettes to do a classical variation. You don't have to have your leg by your ear to be able to do a classical variation. But now this, you know, it's become so like, that's the way it has to be that when people get discouraged, you know, and I think that's the, the you know, and that's why I think ballet is becoming I'm more of a something that people are not really willing to try, you know, because they feel, well, this is like for, for Martians, you know, for people that come from another planet. We're not humans that have to be. So, I mean, you know, that's something we as, as, as creators and we as artists have to think about. I don't think that ballet should, should be disregarded as the untouchable profession or untouchable art form that people cannot do. It's just that there is not enough venues for it to be done. You know, I think if you have pleasure and enjoy doing ballet, even if you don't, like I said, look like the prototype of what this company say you're supposed to look like, the audience will watch you perform and you, you'll be an artist performing. I mean, that's what we need to see. As mm -hmm. long as you do what you need to do, Technically, it must require for it to be done. I mean, it doesn't have to all be done the same. So that's my take on that. And are there certain um, things you strive to do in your own classes so that everyone feels encouraged and welcomed? Well, you know, I think I, I, I guess what I try to <laughs> do in my classes, I try to make people look like they're they can do what they need to do in order to do ballet. I mean, you know, there's certain coordinations and certain aspects of the physicality that you need to have in your body in able, in, in able to do it. You know, if you, if you, otherwise it looks a little bit, you know, unfinished and it needs to be, it needs to be complete. And so my challenges of, and you know, I, I guess I also try to be, I think, I mean, you know, that's me talking. But trying to be, you know, positive enough that people don't look at it, what I'm trying to tell them as a negative and, and non-achievable aspect of what I'm trying to say. So they can, they can try to do things without feeling like they cannot do it. But it's most like 
I just need to try to do it and get better doing it. I think that that's my goal, that I, I think I can try to infuse that on people. You know, it's not like I look at them and go, oh my God, you know, that's the way it used to be at times. You know, people used to look at you and go, forget, that's never gonna happen, you know? Which I think is, is, is to me, it's, it's one of the things about teaching ballet for me is that it's kind of like cleaning your act, you know, it's cleaning your house. And then what you do with your house, it's your problem. But you know what? You should not look ballet like it's all oh, ballet. It's like, you know, it's, it's only for the people who have this and that. You know, I think ballet just, you know, it makes you aware in, in your physicality, in your, your, your body in a way that I think, you know, free and, and release technique and all this doesn't provide for you, especially for beginners. You know, when people start that have no concept of, of what the physicality and how to, to grasp or understand how you can create shapes. It's, you have to go back to basics and ballet can provide that very clearly, I think. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think, and then whatever you choose to do, I always say that, you know, because I also teach at the conservatory, a lot of the students there come in with the idea that they want to be contemporary dancers. And I, I really respect that. And some of them, then they start thinking of ballet as being something that is almost like not important because their goal is to be in the profession, but not to do with ballet, which is it's fine. But I always try to advise them that taking ballet series is gonna create a, more of venues for them to become more or better contemporary dancers. No, because I think that ballet just paints your house. You know, it, it brings a perspective of, of how you, you, you move your limbs, how you isolate the linear aspect of your body. And then you can take it from there and consume it. You know, and, and it gives you a bigger range. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to have it flexed, you decide to have it flexed. If you have it pointed, you decide to have it pointed. But then when you have that concept clear in your, in your physicality, then it gives you bigger range. I mean, people can't point their feet because they're not aware of it. Then they'd rather just not point it at all all the time because it's, it's easier to just keep it there. Like, yeah, you know, so there's, you know, there's, there's things that I, I see that, that I think ballet is, is, is an amazing art form to become very aware of your physicality, you know, in a more, in a different way. You know what? Always are good, and just in a different way. Um, what would be your number one piece of advice you would like to give to the movement toward change dance community? To continue dancing, to continue to to evoke and to be curious to how dance can make the world be a better place. And you know, I mean, you know, there's. It's funny, I was just watching the other, you guys seen that, that show Move that was in, in Netflix, was it? Yeah. Oh. But you know, the program itself, I mean, you know, seeing all these other dance forms and how, you know, these people that were so classically trained in the, in the flamenco and in the, in the Indian, you know, like this guy that, that, that choreographed the Giselle in, in English National. I mean, I knew very little about him. I knew that he was, uh, a, a, you know, an up-and-coming choreographer from the past. He worked with 
Sylvie Guillem, and he had, you know, like, but seeing his 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 intent and his intention and his, I mean, it was like, wow, these people are intense. I mean, like now, you know, and, and, you know, they're not ballet dancers by no means, but the purpose and their their commitment to dance is so rooted. You know, and I think that they infuse this to people, you know, how they talk about it and how they, I mean, it's like, you know, and, and these people are like gurus, you know, they are gurus. So it's great to see this. I mean, it's, it's, it's stimulating, isn't it, to see this. So I, I think that's what I feel like I would advise for people who are dancing and want to keep, you know, promoting is to keep doing it. To keep dancing and, and and be passionate. I mean, be passionate about how you you dance and about how you talk about dance and how you give dance to people. You know, because passion is what makes the world go round. I mean, passion is what what we live for is to have a dream and to have a goal and to you know when you get sweaty and you you, you feel like you accomplish it's all passion. That's something that you know. It's it's you can you can give that to people. You can give people passion, you know, and make them passionate, you know, by doing the right thing at the right time. So, you know, the more passionate we are as human beings, that in a good way, that could be the most amazing thing. In a good way, you can become passionate about other things. <laughs> Passion is not the only thing that creates dance. I mean, yeah, there's a work and the technical aspect and the physicality that you have to pursue in order to become an, a, an artist in the, in the profession. But passion will move it. Passion will make it happen. Um, and then lastly, at this time, is there a specific quote that speaks to you? You know, I think to me, I guess it's just, you know, just being yourself. Be yourself and try to work on how you can be yourself the most you can be most of the time, which is hard to just be yourself because it's, you know, it's, it's part of our, our, our genetic being is to, to be sometimes sheltered and not be able to express who we are. I think that's, that's great advice. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking this time to speak with us. Well, thank you for asking me. You know, like, it's not that I was going to say no to your, to your inquisition. I mean, I was going to jump to the, to the occasion. But thank you to ask anyways. I think it's, if I can, you know, talk or be heard and, and somebody might have a good laugh about hearing me speak or somebody might... Maybe I plant a seed on somebody's mind. That's a great thing. If you have further questions for Gianni, you can reach out to him through our website.